From Welcome Villain Films, the studio that brought you the horror hit Malum, as well as Beaten to Death and Hunter Killer, comes their newest nightmare, Mind, Body, Spirit, now available on digital. Directed by Alex Haynes and Matthew Miranda, and produced by Dan Asma, Mind, Body, Spirit follows Anya, an aspiring yoga influencer, as she embarks on a ritual practice left behind by her estranged grandmother. What starts as a spiritual self-help guide quickly evolves into something much more sinister. As Anya becomes increasingly obsessed with the mysterious power of the practice, she unwittingly unleashes an otherworldly entity that begins to take control of her life and her videos. Now, Anya must race to unlock the truth before her descent into madness threatens to consume her mind, body, and spirit. During its festival tour, which stops at Chattanooga Film Festival and the Unnamed Footage Festival, Mind, Body, Spirit garnered praise from critics who call it a found footage version of Hereditary and a knockout found footage horror movie for the live stream era. Experience the first ever yoga-themed found footage horror film and don't miss the film viewers have called extremely frightening and upsetting. Available now on digital anywhere you rent or buy movies online, including Prime Video and Apple Plus. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com And welcome back to Little Cuts, our weekly mini-sode where we dig into the things that we've been watching recently. I'm Terry. And I'm Mary Beth. And this week we are talking a campy horror sequel, Cannibal Honeymoons, heart, a heart-wrenching movie with a talking door, a d- book about death and toxic friends, a campy supernatural television series, and Wolfman's Got Nards. Wolfman's Got Nards. We have a lot to cover, but before we do... Mary Beth, we're actually doing a Patreon, and it's starting less than a week from today. It's an exclusive announcement. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to have a couple different levels, and here's the thing. We're keeping it very... um, We're going to be slow to grow, I think, on this, because we don't want to overwhelm ourselves with putting out tons of patreon specific content but we are going to lay out a, three different levels of it it's gonna be kind of an introductory level and there's gonna be like a median level where you'll be able to watch these things that we've been putting out every week only for it'll only be for you uh and then we're also doing um 
the top tier level in which we are going to be covering movies that terrified us as adults, just the two of us, for now. For now, yeah! I'm super excited that we're doing this. And to talk, I, I mostly, I'm very excited to talk about the things that have scared us as adults. I know they've talked about it so much, so it'll be cool to have those extra episodes. And so if you guys uh, were have been excited about us getting a Patreon, maybe we've talked about it a little bit. If you've liked any of our episodes, if you like listening to us, please consider supporting our Patreon now. Please. Because, you know, here's the thing, it's like... <laughs> Podcasting, Podcasting isn't is cheap. Like, it's, it's expensive. It's not even like this money would really go to, like, in our pockets. It would be going to pay, like, our hosting fees and stuff. Because, again, we're not on a network. It's just the two of us. We love doing this. And it'll just be nice to have a little extra padding of us not having to pay out of pocket for some of those stuff. And who knows one day. But I think right now we just want to get a little extra something. Well, and you know, we've been we've been talking about it for a long time, but yeah. we, we're honestly just sort of like, uh, I don't know. I don't I don't want us to get into a situation where we're just like constantly putting out a whole bunch of episodes and, you know, wearing ourselves to the bone. But then also people kept asking us, you know, is there a way we can support you with Patreon and stuff? So we're going to test those waters. So this will actually be the last video episode that you will see for free on for little cuts that's going to be moved to one of our patreon feeds we were testing out the waters and getting all the kinks worked out so that'll be one of the things so if you like watching our pretty faces or watch me try to make ideas of what a predator's penis looks like or see the cats or doing the cats. whatever weird bullshit they're doing behind me whatever cool hats we're wearing yeah wearing a grand squatching hat so yeah consider <laughs> And what is going to be our very first debut episode of this Scarred for Adult Life? I don't I, What do we call it? I don't even I don't know what know. to call it. Yeah. If you guys have ideas for what we should call it, let us know. We're going to be talking about uh, a movie that has come up consistently across the board. So many since times. Since we started this podcast, the Argentinian horror film Terrified is the first episode. So yep. there was no brainer on what the first movie had to be. No. It's been uh, yeah. a drinking game. Uh, yeah. It comes up. It seems to come up more episodes than not. That one in Hereditary, like, yeah. come up more often than not. It seemed like the perfect episode to start off on. So if you want to listen to that, our Patreon will start, um, I guess, on the first. And then we're doing those episodes, did we say, once a month? I can't. Once a month. That's, yeah. Mm -hmm. So those will be once a month. All right. So that aside, let's talk about a campy sequel. Yay. Okay. So um, last weekend, I was in Miami for the incredible mm -hmm. genre film festival, Popcorn Frights. I, um, you know, this is the first time I've been traveling for festivals ever. So it's been really cool to go to some of these bigger fests and smaller fests and Popcorn Frights is a smaller one, but it was so much fun. And there were a lot of titles there that I actually had really never heard of or hadn't seen before, which is always exciting because I feel like we're getting to that time of the year where either new things are coming out in October or it's yeah. the same stuff so i was really excited for this festival i was i watched i think like 10 or 12 movies for the course of a couple days um my eyes hurt but it was so much fun <laughs> it's like that's a lot i know so all, all the movies i'm talking about today are from that festival um so this first one is the barn part two by justin siemens so this uh okay and i was not going to initially see this movie because i have i wasn't sure if it was like 
the Bard Part Two as like a joke title. You know what? Because we like you know the third Sunday in October stuff, but right. it is in fact a sequel to the Barn. And I hadn't seen that, so I thought, eh, I'm not gonna go. I just, we went to a I went to a part we went to a festival party, and but they were like the festival organizers, like you have to see this. Like I promise you, it's gonna be so much fun. You know, you have a little bit of a buzz on. Like we had been drinking. Like you should go see it. So a bunch of us headed over. Like all right, fine, fuck it, we'll try it. Uh, best decision we uh, we made the whole weekend to go watch this Hell movie. Yeah. So the barn part two um, follows follows after the events of the barn, which basically has some teenagers. One of them survives after these like crazy monsters attack, and it takes this is like a year later. And a sorority is building a haunt for a fundraiser because they can't have one on campus anymore because of a lap dance incident. So they go to this barn, and in this barn is where these like these creatures come come from as well of this barn. And it basically they have the haunt there. They these creatures come to life and massacre. There's like over sixty kills in this movie. It's incredible. It's crazy. Holy shit! So. It's a movie that has no right to be as good as it is, and I mean that in a positive way. I mean, like, it, but it is, like, a pitch-perfect capturing campy 80s horror aesthetics and sensibilities, but putting a ton of love into it and, pract- and like, putting the love of practical effects into it. Because, like, yeah, it's kind of cheesy with some of the line delivery, but it's supposed to be. But the monsters in this are so incredibly designed. And this guy yeah. did all of this in his backyard. This guy, mm-hmm. Justin Zeman. So... The first movie he made on his own, he quit his job to make it, he put it out, it got a pretty big cult following, and he was able to make, and then he got the second one funded on Indiegogo, and he was able to make enough money from self-distributing the first movie that he built his own little like production house in his backyard, and he oh, made wow. the entire The Barn Part 2 sans like a couple exterior shots in this, in this like, 60 by 40 shed he built in his backyard in holy shit like, middle of nowhere pennsylvania or like near pittsburgh pennsylvania or middle of nowhere pennsylvania knowing that like it was even mm. so i didn't know that till after the movie was done because like, during the movie i was like this is so fucking impressive like the monsters and the design like one of the it, it almost gives like grow it almost gives like um halloween three season of the witch vibes a little bit in terms of like the mask design but it's a lot it's very different but that's kind of the comparison i'm drawing with the matte kind of masks and prosthetic heads there's Mm -hmm. one of them is a giant rotting corn cob with candy corn teeth and it's just like the most incredible monster design and the kills are disgusting and gnarly and it's just so much fucking fun and there's so much heart put into it Linnea Quigley is in it. Lloyd Kaufman's in it. Joe Bob Briggs is in it. Um, Darcy the male girl is in it. Like, all of these wild cameos. And it's just... It's fucking awesome. And I think he's self-distributing... Doug Bradley? Yes, Doug Bradley is. That's right. Doug Bradley's also in it, so... Pinhead. Mm-hmm. And I think he's self-distributing it for this Halloween as well. Um, so you... Okay. So, like, even... I haven't even watched... I haven't watched the first barn yet, either. Just watch the second one when it comes out. It's so fucking fun. Hell yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I had a really good time with it. That sounds like a lot of fun. It, it was. And okay, so here's even like the weird... Okay, here's a really weird fucking part of this whole story is that in front of us, there was like the director and then his his wife, one of the stars and some and one of the stars had a guest with them. And they were kind of like, you know, we were all... It was like a midnighter. So we were all laughing and being a little bit like loud. Um, and so there's a, the woman with this guy is like an older black woman who's wearing like these sparkly cowboy boots. Like she's obviously like getting her life. 
every time she sees someone that she knows from horror, she points and like is like, I know who that is, and like she's having a great time. Guess who she was? Who? Muhammad Ali's wife. <laughs> what? It was the weirdest thing ever. It was so weird. Random. And the only reason I know this is because like at the Q and A, the guy got up and was like, "I just want to share everyone that Muhammad Ali's wife is here with us tonight," and it was her. And it was just like it was fucking. It was. I, I was with Angel from Vangoria, and we both looked at each other, and we're like, "Are Aww. we in the Twilight Zone?" Like we were like, "Is this really happening to us right now?" Like it was just the movie was so bizarre in a great way, but like the vibe was already so funny from that, and then he revealed that, and we were kind of drunk, and I was just like, "What." What in the hell is happening right now? It was incredible. Hell yeah. Yeah, so. <laughs> that sounds really cool. Yeah, it was really cool. I'm sad I missed that one. Yeah, but it's coming up soon, I think. So, um, but I want to hear more about a book about death and toxic friends. <laughs> bodies, bodies, bodies. The, <laughs> the, the, the official novelization. <laughs> yeah, how did you know? <laughs> No, um, so one of one of my I think I think he's probably one of my favorite like modern horror authors, Paul Tremblay. Okay, he has a new book out called um, The Paul Bearers Club. Okay, and this is the author behind A Head Full of Ghosts, which was so good. Have you have you read Head Full of Ghosts? Yes, I have. I don't. I think I need to reread it because I don't. I didn't. I didn't dislike it, but I wasn't as like into it as a lot of people were okay i loved it and then his his uh one of his other books um the cabin at the end of the world is being turned into the knock at the cabin i think is what's called oh, that's and right. new movie oh that's right oh my god i totally forgot that was happening and uh so the paul bears club is his latest novel it just came out and it is about it takes place throughout it's it, okay it's I listened to this book, and I honestly think an audiobook is the best way to listen to this because oh. of the conceit of this book. So it's a memoir, quote unquote, written by Art Barbara, um, who is so it follows him in high school as a sort of like he um, has like he's socially awkward, very, you know, thin acne. His his back is bent by scoliosis following him in high school when he is looking to create clubs that will look good on um, resumes. And so he creates the Paul Bears Club, which is going to be this group of people that go to um, funeral homes and act as pallbearers for people who don't have family. And so he sets up this club and then he sends out flyers all over the place. And one person named Mercy or that he calls Mercy um because he makes a comment about how he's changing all these names. She shows up. They sort of make a kind of a friendship. She's like this badass punk that kind of introduces him to like punk music from the 80s and, you know, dresses, you know, so fashionably and just sort of like has that kind of cool girl punk aesthetic. And he is instantly drawn to her and it follows their tumultuous friendship over the course of 30 odd years, I think, maybe more as they come in and out of each other's lives. But he also starts to think that maybe she's a vampire. Oh. Oh. And, and 
the conceit of this is that you're reading a book that he wrote, but she is also adding notes to it. <gasps> Whoa! Wait, that's how does that read in an audiobook then? Very well, because okay. you have two narrators, and he starts talking. She'll do a little interjection, and I'm curious to see how it, if it was written on paper, if there's like lines written on the paper or whatever, but she'll do an interjection, and then a lot of times she'll be done with his chapter, and then she critiques the chapter in terms of like, is this a memoir? Is this because she kind of has this wry personality of like, you're writing about me and you're calling me a vampire dude, really? And so it goes back and forth between the two of them as she is like reading the memoir and then we're reading her thoughts on the memoir as well as him. What? And it's, it has a wild structure and it is actually very moving um, depiction of, again, toxic friendship, mental health, possibly vampires. It's really good. It's really good. And I really recommend, especially if you subscribe to audible or whatever to use it as one of your credits because her especially her the voice actress that plays mercy is so good there's this one part where like he freaks out in her in her room in her like apartment and he like leaves and it's sort of from his perspective and then she's talking and she's like well you know you what you really need to do is if this is creepy and then she her voice would get low and she would just like talk in like this very like it made it gave me goosebumps just listening to her talk it's so good so i i highly recommend this book particularly if you're going to listen to it it's so good okay okay wow you i wasn't totally sold on it but now i very much am sold on it it's really good Okay. I really enjoyed it. Ooh, I want to see how that's written. Yeah, I'm curious. Yeah. I'm curious, but, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's, it was a great listen. It, I, it was one that, it's one of those books that like made me look forward to my commute to work and back because I was like, ooh, I can listen to this book. And that's the only, and that's the only time you'd listen to it during your commute. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I found, I find it's the only time I can really listen to things because my mind wanders. Okay. Or like, I feel like I need to have some kind of visual stimuli. So I need to be doing something a lot of times. But yeah. Um, so what's this Cannibal Honeymoons? <laughs> okay. So this um, this is obviously another Popcorn Frights film. This is, uh, the, it's called Do Not Disturb. And mm-hmm. so this is a film that is basically, I mean, when it comes down to it, it is very much um, quite literally a toxic relationship will eat you alive kind of scenario here. Okay. So, uh, a couple that have just gotten married are going to Miami on their honeymoon and, like, from the get-go, like, they do not seem happy to be married. Like, they are spending their honeymoon in the off-season in Miami and in a kind of a seedy adults-only hotel that is, you know, relatively cheap uh, because they don't have a lot of money. And, the resentment between the two of them is um, incredibly palpable. Like, they are the most... To- like, speaking of toxic friends, this is the most toxic couple I think I've seen in horror in a while. I mean, think Danny and Christian from Midsommar, like, turned up to 11 kind of scenario. Okay. Like, if they wow. if they got yeah. married and then got pregnant and had a miscarriage uh, and were trying to deal with that kind of situation. Ooh, um, okay. Yeah. So... They and they're what this movie does well, I think, is have both of them be toxic. It's 
And I think that's what I like a lot about it is they're both very toxic people and you're a little bit more on her side because he is an asshole, but like they're not, neither of them are great people, but so they're trying to like, you know, they're talking through their shit and they go to the beach and this guy out of nowhere appears and was just like having a breakdown, throws a bunch of peyote at their feet and then walks straight into the ocean and disappears. Oh, okay. Um, and so, because, you know, movies and also irresponsible idiot man takes the peyote with the intention to sell it, then they actually end up taking the peyote. And lo and behold, the peyote makes you really horny and really hungry for human flesh. So basically, oh. they do a bunch of drugs that turn them into um, sex-crazed cannibals. And, it all take, and then it all kind of takes place in a hotel room as they piece things together and everything goes to shit. And wow. it is funnier than it should be. <laughs> it is so gross. And there is a moment in it that had me fucking cheering because it was absolutely incredible. I was cheering while a grown man behind me said, what the fuck? Very loudly. <laughs> um, Twas incredible. Okay. And like, so in watching it, like, it doesn't really get bloody until about halfway through. And what a lot of what, a lot of what he's setting up, the director John Ainsley is setting up is like, he's making like a, like a, like a a relationship drama and Mm -hmm. then turning out to 11 with cannibalism. So a lot of it is you watching this just absolutely fucked dynamic between the two of them. And then once it starts getting bloody, you're like, oh, thank God. Like, like you're, they're finally like, I don't know, getting, getting what they deserve kind of situation. Like it's very, it's, it's wild. It's, it's wild. There's that one point a man is cradling an arm crying and it is both the funniest and f- most fucked up thing. And that, and it's just, it's incredible. It's incredible. <laughs> it sounds like my kind of humor. Yeah, it's, it, exactly. It, like it's so grossly funny. It's wow. Incredible. Uh, I am so sad. That I miss these movies. Um, so yeah, that was really fun. That was a that was a world premiere, and that one doesn't have distribution yet, but hopefully it will soon because it's it is good, very much a Hell good. Yeah. Fr- it's very and it's gonna. I'm, I keep comparing it to Midsummer because got that vibe of like, well, she's also toxic, but good for her kind of scenario. We're like, yeah, she kind of sucks too, but like he really sucks, and this is incredible. Like, it's the you know that kind of movie. So, but also a campy supernatural TV series. Tell me more yeah, about this. So. I finally watched Los Spookies. I, I need to watch Los Spookies. Oh my God, Mary Beth, it's so good. I've heard so such good I, the first season premiered in 2019, three years ago, and season two is finally coming out in September. I've seen both seasons. I can't talk about season two yet. I'll talk about it later. So that should tell you that I enjoyed it. But you didn't hear that from me. Um, <laughs> but so Los Spookies is um, it's an, it's a show on HBO, thankfully on HBO and not HBO Max, because I think it has a better chance of being renewed because it's an HBO show. Um, but it is about a group of friends that are into spooky, ooky things, and they kind of get together haphazardly to create this business that provides horror to those who need it uh so like the first episode they like 
uh, end up getting roped in by this priest that is not not as popular as his younger father, uh, fellow priest father, not his father, but fellow (laughs) priest father. Um, He wants to stage an exorcism so that people will pay attention to him. So he hires them to create an exorcism so that he can like, you know, get respect. And so they do that and it sort of launches this career where they're like, you know, trying to go out there and they get customers to do various spooky things. And the the set design that they do is so incredibly ridiculously cheesy and everyone yet believes everything that happens. And it's it's so fantastic. Meanwhile, there's like this actual supernatural side story that's going on where one of the uh, one of the the friends, his name is Andres. He is like he oh, every the first line out of his mouth pretty much is like, I have to tell you something. When I was just a baby, I was left onto the on the, the steps of an orphanage. My parents found me. And then they the 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 priest said that I have a darkness in me. And he tells us that like two people like he just has like this random weird ass backstory so then one of the other characters is named tati and she is introduced uh when they're talking to the priest and she is playing his fan in which i mean they have a fan that's not working and she is spinning the blades of the (laughs) fan to try to cool him down and that is like a continuing joke with her is that like she she seems to be kind of otherworldly, but she is, doesn't seem to be have every all of the little parts connected. And so she just kind of goes through life doing these odd jobs and she gets roped into it. And so it's just following like the four of them as they go about doing these little horror haunts while also dealing with real supernatural things that are going on in the background. And it is really funny it's just utterly delightful it's very queer i've heard that it is very queer like i think pretty much most of the characters are queer (gasps) the one of the characters i believe is asexual oh which you don't really see a whole lot of and so there's just it's it's just it's a delightful show and the second season again it's it's six episodes 30 minutes each and the second season starts in September, and I really recommend getting on board with this one. Fuck yeah! I need to. I need to watch it. I've heard a lot about it. I think it's very much up my alley, and I just haven't. But can I watch it on HBO Max? Mm-hmm. Yep, it is on HBO Max. I, what's it the, just what is, is a, the difference? Does it mean like it? Because it, it, what's the difference at this point now? So the difference is that if it's an HBO show, it's airing on television. It is a cable show. And HBO Max also has it. If it's an HBO Max original, then it is only on HBO Max and is not aired on television. So anything that was like an HBO Max original is just through the HBO Max. This is also fucking dumb. But anyway, okay, cool. (laughs) But the good news is is that because it is an HBO show, it has a better chance of surviving the HBO original series axing. That is like the benefit of it. Yeah, uh, because most of the HBO Max fair. shows are kind of going through the fucking ringer, but anything that's been on HBO seems to have a better shot of um, surviving the shit that's happening. So we'll see. Uh, but yeah, really good, really really fantastic show. I just is it I, I fell in thirty love minute it. episodes? Mm-hmm. Okay, even better. Thirty minute episodes, six of them, easy breezy. Fuck yeah. Okay, cool. What is this uh, heart-wrenching movie with a talking 
door. When I saw this in the notes before we recorded, I was like, wait, a talking door? Yes. I, it's a, it, yes. Um, so this is, um, actually, let me, this is the movie Breathing Happy. Okay. Um, I had tried to watch, I think, out of, I believe it was Chattanooga earlier this year. And I think I just, like, wasn't in the right headspace. This is a movie by Dr. Shane Brady, and I wasn't in that space for it, but I watched it at Popcorn Frights and cried like a little baby. So this movie oh. is a, it's an incredibly personal story about addiction. Okay. But it's told with like this weird psychedelic sci-fi twist that creates this really fascinating tone that is both deeply, deeply sad and touching and hysterical oh okay and it's 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 quite an incredible film so it it follows it's based on shane brady's own life and he was kind of cagey about what parts were real and which weren't um fair enough but um it is christmas is christmas it is one year after this man dylan has gotten sober um, but all of his family has passed away. So he is by himself on Christmas celebrating one year sober and kind of reflecting on his life. He wakes up thinking there's an earthquake and a talking golden door has appeared in the middle of his kitchen. And this talking golden door voiced by Aaron Benson. Aaron oh. Moorhead. Voiced by Aaron Moorhead of Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead fame. Yeah. Um, is talking to him about the door and what, how to get to the other side of the door and what lies on the other side of the door. And it's all about reflecting on your past and what you've done in your past and res- kind of accepting your fuck ups and trying to move past them and trying to you know deal with grief. And it's just a lot about coping with addiction and what happens when you're an addict and the ways you like affect your family and how your family is affected. And I bawled like a little baby and had to do the Q&A afterward. So the credits started rolling and I had to walk up to the front. It was, and it was a packed audience. I had to walk up to the front, like sobbing and was like, (laughs) uh, hi everyone. I'm Mary Beth McGandrews from Dread Central. And I am a fucking wreck of a human being right now. And thankfully Shane was also crying. So like we were at all the people on the front were crying. So yeah, it was, a. goodness it was an experience to say the least wow yeah it was a lot but it was it's really it's really good especially if you kind of just like surrender to what it's trying to do it's not gonna make total sense all the time but it's got that kind of very much like stream of consciousness vibe to it it's a little bit more cohesive but it's it leans into the stream of consciousness way of like is this real is this a dream is this like like kind of playing with reality and bending reality is this the real life exactly (laughs) uh yeah there it's just there's a lot about death and grief too and it's just a lot and I've lost a family member to drug addiction so like that all came flooding back to me watching that movie Oof. and like so and there was not a dry eye in the house watching that movie so that's Breathing Happy uh, highly suggest you checking it out if you want to cry 
<laughs> Sounds like it. Goodness. But also, if you want to experience like a really interesting way of using genre conventions, so it's not really a horror movie, but like it uses kind of genre conventions to create this story, and so I really, I, it's it's something special for sure. On the opposite end of the spectrum, <laughs> yeah. Uh, what horror comedy did we watch this week? Okay, so we took it to 1987 with the Monster Squad, a movie that. I grew up watching repeatedly as a kid, and I have so many fond memories of watching. And then I tried watching it a few years ago, and I just wasn't in the headspace. And I mean, we'll dig into it, but, you know, it has like a great first impression, and then it has a not so great first impression. Yes. And then it kind of gets past that for the most part and it's fine but I did not realize when I tried watching this maybe five or six years ago how many homophobic slurs there are in the beginning of this fucking movie Jesus I was just like I need you you had warned me about it but it was just like right off the bat I was like good lord damn they're calling the teacher a homo they're calling the overweight kid well they're calling him fat kid which is another thing that that bothered me and continues throughout the entire movie that even his so-called friends just keep referring to him as fat kid really bothered me but yeah they call him the f slur like it's it's a lot in the beginning of this movie what and what i just i know this is like a trope but jesus like why did we start having like you you have to be the token fat kid of the friend group that everyone shits on the whole time like fuck you like and I was thinking about the Goonies a lot watching this movie, which we can talk about. Like, I got yep. very big Goonies vibes. And I was thinking oh, yeah. about, you know, the Goonies character. Everyone's like, do the truffle shuffle. Mm-hmm. And, like, the, who was the entertaining. And then I, it's not, I'm not saying anything revolutionary here, but it is, like, very frustrating to watch these movies and just think, like, Jesus Christ, we really did just reduce everybody to, like, who is acceptable because of their body type and what they look like. Fuck. Anyway, <laughs> thinking too yeah. hard about Monster Squad. No, that w- that was my problem throughout all of it, that even his his friends, like it's one thing if the bully is calling these names, but it's his friends, his so-called friends that are not even referring to him by his name. They're just referring to him by the fact that he is overweight. And um, it that, that still bothers me. However, that aside, Mary Beth, this is your first time watching this movie. Yes. Uh, so what is what can you because we haven't really said what it's about in case you don't know. So what is this a movie about and what are your thoughts on it? OK, so the Monster Squad is about a skit about a Monster Squad. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, OK, in the, in the Monster Squad, all of the, basically like the universal monsters have come back to life. We have. Dracula, is it specifically Dracula, right? Mm -hmm. Comes back after um, being like banished away for a hundred years and he comes back to resurrect the monsters. So then we resurrect what we have. Frankenstein is like the, Mm -hmm. the, the big one that they're resurrecting, but there's also the, the Wolfman, the mummy and the creature from the black lagoon. So all of these creatures have come back to basically like take over the world and wreak havoc and it is up to the titular Monster Squad, a group of young elementary school boys and one junior high boy, I believe, who know all, everything and anything there is to know about horror movies and must use their knowledge to defeat the monsters who are trying to take over the world. Yeah. That's the long and short of it, yeah. What did you think? I had so much fun. 
This Isn't it fun? So fun. Immediately the cold open got me where it's like in the past and they're chant there so there's like a whole ritual where they're trying to banish Dracula back into like a portal and get rid of him and there's an amulet. But like there's a transformation sequence of Dracula as a bat or coming be- like from a bat to a human, like right off the right off the bat. Yeah. <laughs> Is this incredible? And as soon as I saw that, I'm like, oh, I'm in for a treat. This is going to be a practical effects treat. Like, regardless of everything else, I'm very excited. And it is. This was made for children, right? Like, is this meant for kids? Because this movie does. Like, I even wrote in a question mark. Like, was this meant for children? Because while it is about kids, it's pretty. I mean, it's pretty scary. I mean, like. If I was a kid watching this, I would have been kind of taken aback by a lot of the violence that's happening against kids. I mean, they don't pull any punches with no. this one. Like, I mean, it was PG-13, so it's not okay. like... But, sti- but, but, but still. still, like, it because it's following younger kids, it feels like it's meant to be... And I think it is a, it's a gateway horror movie, I think, for a lot mm-hmm. of people. So it's meant for kids watching it now. I'm like, shit, like, this is pretty intense for a horror comedy for kids because the kids are constantly in peril. At one point, Dracula calls a five-year-old a bitch, which was absolutely yes. iconic moment. I wrote down, I think I wrote that down. I'm like, did, did Dracula really just fucking call her a bitch? And this is right after the old German man calls her a virgin and has her read the like, spell. I was like, what is, what is happening on this day? I was like kind of upset, but also thought it was incredible that he keeps choking her and calling her a bitch. Lifts her up. <laughs> what I'm trying to say here is that I think Monster Squad is really fucking fun and homophobic slurs and weird like 80s things, you know, Fat-phobia acknowledge and, that and decide. Kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. A good goddamn time. It looks really good. I thought Dracula did kind of look a little bit cheesy with like. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. A good Dracula? <laughs> no. Everyone, but it adds to the charm. It does. Everyone, like, he looks more like, he looks like the spirit Halloween Dracula costume. Yes! <laughs> yes! He does. It's like, we can't get Bella Lugosi, so let's get the the spirit Halloween like, it, it looks Exactly. Like, it, that's exactly what it looks like. Uh, and Which is so funny, because, like, the creature looks awesome, and so does the mother. Like, oh, yeah. The creatures look fucking awesome. So, it's just funny that Dracula looks like a clown. <laughs> uh-huh. He's like the leader, but he looks like a clown. But that's, but again, oh, it he, adds to the charm. It, it does. He's charm. like full camp in this He's movie. full camp. But like, I, this movie is, is surprisingly violent. Uh, yes. Yes, it's PG-13, but like, I mean... The the man that's running into the police station saying that he's a werewolf and lock him up that gets shot and then he's on the cart and the transformation like, was awesome mm-hmm. with that too and he gets blown up and there's like body parts everywhere and they all like reform gnarly the mummy when when <laughs> he like disintegrates oh, is such a cool thing that was so good though that was uh, that was like watching him unravel that was so cool and then um. Having the kid just, like, say, like, he says something about skanks to the brides of Dracula and then stakes her in the heart. And I was like, Jesus Christ. But then, but then the kid also shoots a werewolf. And I'm like, this kid's, like, 13 and just shot a man. <laughs> like, it's 
talk about Futurama. But then we have Frankenstein. I wanted so much more out of this with with Sweet Boy Frankenstein. I know. Because this movie is pretty short. It's like an hour and 22, 24 minutes. Which is, you know, generally I don't complain, but I just wanted more of this Frankenstein thing because it was so cute. Like Frankenstein and the little girl. The little girl. So cute. Like, she was adorable. In she this was too. incredible. Are you too? And are you too chicken shit? I'm like this little girl is the best, uh, best character in any horror movie I've ever seen. I loved her so much. Like, can I be part of the Monster Squad now? And it's just that part was really, really tender and sweet. And I want, I just wanted more of that because it was cute. The dynamic was very good. And again, got Goonies vibes. He was like sloth yeah. from the Goonies. Mm-hmm. So it is- oh, this is totally indebted to the Goonies. Yeah, for exactly. Sure. It was just I, I watched it. I really enjoyed it, and then I really wanted to watch the Goonies. <laughs> I love Goonies. Oh, I do too. Goonies is great. Goonies forever. Goonies forever. But Goonies I, never say die. I I loved this movie. I was like that you know what I appreciate the gag I truly Uh appreciate that stupid gag sometimes a nut joke is just a good nut joke you know (laughs) that's the title of the episode (laughs) sometimes a good nut joke is a good nut joke uh, I'm glad you enjoyed it, though, because like like I said, I had not seen this since I was a kid and I watched a whole lot of it. And I, I tried to watch it a few years ago and I got to that the homophobic part. I just was not in the headspace. Like, no, I mm-hmm. exiting out of this. Um, but rewatching it now, minus that like 10 minute section, it's it still holds up. And I think the effects still look really good for, for what it was at the time. Yeah. I am. I love the hammer horror aesthetics of this entire yeah. movie. It's like hammer horror gets dropped into Americana. It's the awesome. score by Bruce Broughton yes! is iconic. I wrote, I think I wrote almost that exact same thing in my notes about how the score is like so incredibly cinematic and feels yeah. like this like big horror movie. It felt like almost like Spielberg a little bit. I got like Spielbergy mm-hmm. like kids doing something crazy cool vibes. It was it was cool. Oh, I also wanted to acknowledge the fact that I love his dad, who is the cop, who's like, "What you guys doing tonight?" He's like, "Marriage counseling." <laughs> yeah. It's like, and then he, but then their whole cute exchange about he's like, "It's only a movie," and the kids, it, it's too late if I see it the next day. My friends will have told me the whole story, and I was like, "Remember the day? Remember that the days?" And that's but that's also still relevant today, where it's like, you don't watch the movie right when it's released, uh-huh. everyone's gonna ruin it for you. So. I just liked that little moment. It was just very funny about like these kids as horror fans and seeing them as little horror fans. It's just very I sweet. So wanted to be able to have like a house where I could sit on the roof and look at a drive-in movie theater. Right? I saw that and was like, wait, that's the best. I want that. I just want to be able to sit. I wanted to be able to sit on my roof and smoke weed when I was a teenager. Oh. But if I tried my if I tried to do that, I one, we were on a busy street and it would be the most unsettled thing in the world. And two, my whole my ass would have fallen off the roof like uh-huh. in two seconds. There's just no way. Also, with the Goonies connection, um, the actress that played Mrs. Walsh is in this too. She plays oh. the mom. Oh. Well, okay, so we've talked about the Monster Squad, but Terry, what are we watching next week? <laughs> the horror we are- Entering the 90s with... Oh my god, uh, the 90s were here. I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) A really fun and funny, um, from what I remember, it's been a while since I've seen it, slasher pick, uh, Popcorn. It takes place in a movie theater. 
from remember from what I remember is one of the better horror movies from at least the the, the mid early nineties. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. I really okay. enjoyed this one when I saw it. I'm stoked. The poster is so fucking cool. I've oh, yeah. always loved the poster, so I'm excited to watch it. It's on Shutter, right? It is, yeah. Very excited. Even better. Uh, but also exciting, who are we chatting with Monday, Mary Beth? Uh, on Monday, we're chatting with actress Siobhan Williams. She mm-hmm. plays Laura Kearney in the video game The Quarry, which I know a lot of us played. And she brought with her the best movie of all time, Matilda. <laughs> Little. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Matilda. Matilda. I'm never gonna. I'm never gonna let that go that you did that. <laughs> but yes, Matilda. I love Matilda. Oh yes. my god. And this was a fun conversation. She was utterly delightful, and yes. she plays my favorite, one of my favorite characters uh, in the quarry. She's, um, for those that are not good with names, she's the woman from the opening scene that goes missing and then, (laughs) and then returns with, um, a vengeance. So listeners, you heard from us. We want to hear from you. Um, Mm -hmm. did you watch anything that we've watched this week or read anything that we've read this week? Do you have suggestions for things we should talk about? Do you have suggestions for Patreon stuff? Uh, send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com or reach out to us directly on Twitter. I'm at MB McAndrews. And I'm at Gailey Dreadful. And of course, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Podcast. And please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. We are at 99 ratings on iTunes. We're one away from 100. So that'd be really cool. And also, in less than a week, Patreon. Patreon! Support support your content creators. Support your local... Throw a coin to your local podcast creator. (laughs) Um, Thank you, Eric Parr, for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please stay safe out there, but most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time. powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.